This is Motormania with Damien Reed on the UAE's number one talk radio station, Dubai I 103.8. Yes, uh, welcome to Motormania. I'm Damien Reed. This is the only interactive car show on UAE radio where we give you motoring advice, talk about what's happening in the car world. And we let you have a voice on road safety issues. We'll be keeping you company through until noon. And here's uh, an idea of what's coming up. Well, we're going to talk about gorgeous classic cars. One of my pet subjects. Love this. And the most beautiful race in the world. Of course, it is the Mille Miglia. Fantastic. And uh, we're going to have uh, Martin Halder of Octanium. That's the company that's bringing the event to you in the UAE very soon. He'll be joining us in the studio to talk about all that good stuff that's going to be happening at the end of the year. Uh, the other end of the spectrum, I've been out checking out cars of the future down at uh, Jitex, and what a crowded place that has been, my goodness, this week. Um, a fully self-driving Cadillac and the flying car that uh, made the headlines this week when it flew over Sky Dubai, uh, Skydive Dubai, rather, had a, uh, a quick look at that and, a, and uh, a chat to the people. They will be bringing that to you soon. Also been talking to the uh, the boss of Maserati here about the new Grecali. It was uh, launched regionally during the week. And uh, it is on sale here as the mid-size SUV that sits underneath the Levante, the, the top so- the flagship model. And uh, my fellow motoring journalists, Imda Shanjata and Noel Ebden, are joining me in the studio for more car news. And uh, no doubt we'll get into a few debates about a few things here. Now, uh, of course, let's kick things off. Good morning, Noel. Good morning, Imda Shan. Good morning. Right. Well, um, it's been a very busy week, I have to say. Mm. Lots going on. Thanks for clearing up how you say that Maserati name, because I had no idea. Greckley? Gre- yeah, I, I, I had all sorts going on, but yeah. Grecali? Grecali. I think right? that's the way it is. Yeah. Yes, yes. Are you not sure? <laughs> you were there. I'm, I'm pretty sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boards well. Uh, it's, yeah, well, this thing, is it's it's a mid-size SUV. It sits, as I said, it sits below the, the Levante. Um, to, to give you an idea, it's probably as close as competitor would be the Porsche Macan. And I say that because the other smaller SUVs are probably more sporty in terms of the AMG Mercedes and the hmm. that sort of thing. This is kind of – it's in the middle of being a little bit sporty, a little bit luxury, like the Macan. Yeah, so um, okay. there's a few engine options coming here. Um, there's a mild hybrid four-cylinder and the uh, very powerful V6. Now, the um, the base model of Grecali, the GT, it's a two-litre four-cylinder with a 48-volt mild hybrid system. Develops 296 horsepower, uh, 450 newton meters of torque, which is more than the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. That's 284.15, I think. Uh, Maserati says that this will get to 100 kilometers an hour in 5.3 seconds. Mm-hmm. Again, quicker than the Stelvio. Then the car that we had a look at the other night, the Modena, the Grecali Modena. So um, it's, uh, again, a mild hybrid, 350 horsepower. But the one I'm really looking forward to is the Trofeo, which is their top-line model. Of course. It uses, of course. <laughs> it uses the, 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 the brand-new Natuno engine, the 2.9-litre twin-turbo V6, 523 horsepower, 620 newton metres, 0 to 100 in 3.6 seconds. Um, now, the Natuno engine is the same one that's – it's brand new. It's, it's made by Maserati. It shares nothing in common with Ferrari whatsoever. It's made in Modena, and it's the engine that's in the MC20 that, ah, that, we, drove, nice. that yeah. we drove recently and spoke about before. Lovely engine. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's completely free of, uh, of, of Ferrari bits and pieces. It's a 100% Maserati engine. So, uh, yeah, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Then later next year, there will be the all-electric Grecali, the Fulgori, which is oh, they have ma- such good names, don't they? Yeah, Maserati. That's what Maserati are using this name now for their EV stuff. So oh, it, nice. it, it goes in with their other products as well. 
Full spec's not been announced yet, but it's going to have a 105 kilowatt hour battery pack, use a 400 volt uh, architecture, and produce around about 800 newton meters of torque. So. Interested to see how yeah. that how that plays out. It'd be interesting to see that against the top of the range, the sporty version as well. See which is the which comes out on top. Yeah, and because they won't be far apart. No, I'll be, also be interested to see how they go in sales too. Mm. Which which one is going to going to uh, going to out, out, outdo the other? Uh, but on that note, I spoke to the uh, general manager of Maserati Middle East and Africa, Hamdi Al Shanturi, uh, about the Grikali the other night. The car uh, answers to a lot of demands of the urban metropolitan customers. You will see that not only in the design, also in the comfort of the car, the dynamics, and most importantly, the technology on the car. You'll have the double screen infotainment. Um, It's the first car to carry this on the Maserati. It's loaded with um, a lot of technological first timer in Maserati. So it will be really a game changer for us. Uh, the Levante will keep its position because a Levante is a Levante, right? It's, uh, yeah. We would expect it not to be for the same type of customer. So Grecalo will, will also help us bring new customers um, to the brand. Those who are passionate about uh, luxury, performance, and of course, innovation. Yeah, so here is it now talking about this Natuno engine. As I said, it's the same engine that we re- re- reviewed on Motomania previously in the Ferrari 296 killing MC20 sports car. Um, and what a car. I just say what a car that is. I spent a fair bit of time in that car. Really enjoyed it. And now that engine is in the Grecali as well. It's a Maserati in-house built. It's a V6. And it comes with Formula One technologies, um, the pre-chamber combustion. It's, it's really impressive performance you get uh, from a car like this with a Formula One technology on the streets. Uh, you just imagine you can drive this on the streets of Dubai. It's, it's just incredible sensation. So what he's referring to there is the combustion combustion chamber technology is using. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details now. We'll, we'll, we, we can on a, on a technical version of Motomania, but it, it's a, a more efficient combustion chamber and it gives a, a more bang for your buck, as they say. Um, now, we also talked briefly, too, about the just-released Gran Turismo, which is finally replacing the, the Gran Turismo that's been around for a long time, the big GT Coupe, and uh, its EV cousin, again, the Fulgotti, uh, that will join us next year. You'll have the ICE version, which comes with the Natuno engine, but the Gran Turismo will also be the first Maserati to come in uh, the Fulgore version. And Fulgore, for those who don't know, is simply our battery-powered vehicles. It's 100% electric car, but with a taste of a real Maserati. So Gran Turismo will be the first car to to, uh, to come in the Folgore version. And then um, till 2025, we will have an electrified version of every car we sell in Maserati. A very ambitious electrification project to come for Maserati. So that's the... Uh the general manager of Maserati Middle East and Africa, Hamdi Al Shanturi, talking about the Grikali, but also about Maserati's future plans to electrification. Uh, Shan, um, have you? What are your thoughts on the on, on moving into this market? The hugely Grikali? important market, hugely important market. I mean, Porsche sells so many Macans. Mm. Alpha, in some ways, was resurrected by the Stelvio, not the Julia. So this is a hugely important market. I'm a little. In some um, markets, the Macan is the top-selling Porsche. Well, uh, Porsche on, is on an SUV range. company that just mm. happens to make a few 911s now. But <laughs> I think we all get distracted as men, or, or whichever, whichever takes fancy, uh, by this V6 uh, Netuno engine. But the the base model, the 2-liter two, two one, is actually the one that's going to be the crucial car that needs to sell. 
I mean, you might sell a few V6s, sure, but nobody's really taking these on as like serious sports cars. They're just really fast Maseratis. But the base car needs to be good. And I'm not talking about the engine. I'm talking about the infotainment, the comfort, the durability. All these things need to be far beyond what Maserati has done in the past. So it's a big bet for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the other thing... Um Two is uh, actually we're going to we're going to come and talk about uh, the future of cars and Gitex after the break. But uh, but no, what are your thoughts quickly on the Gricali? Yeah, I mean, it's Maserati, isn't it? I mean, who doesn't want to drive around in a Maserati? It's, uh, it's all, I mean, I know they did very well in the UK by hitting into the German uh, fleet car market because everyone went, what? Hang on, I can drive a Maserati for, as my company car? And they sold like crazy. So uh, if they get it right and they put it at the right price point, it'll, it'll go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell you what, stick around. We're going to come back and talk about the uh, the, the future of uh, of Gitex, self-driving cars from Cadillac, flying cars out of China that are going to be on our roads very soon, and uh, and a whole lot more. This is Motormania. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Now, as you said before, Firstly, the first, uh, well, I don't think it's the first, but it's a, a fully self-driving car by a Cadillac. Now, it's called the Cadillac Inner Space. It's level five, fully autonomous, uh, and it's pretty bizarre, I have to say. It's a two-seater, no steering wheel, not even as a redundancy to back up, uh, just a massive giant screen in front of the, uh, what are now the two passenger seats, <laughs> because there's no driver. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And, you can't uh, say that. You can't say driver's seat, can you? No, it's yeah. just it's a little transport pod. Um, but as its name has suggests, inner space, it's 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 a luxury lounge on wheels. So there's two passengers, no steering wheel. It uses the Ultimium platform, which is the one that um, is it, that's under the Lyric that we tested, and also the just announced uh, Celestic. Uh, but there are three options. There are three theme options with the car. And this is where we're going now with with cars. The themes in this one is engagement and entertainment. Uh, to give you an idea, this one had AI biometric sensors built into the seats to determine your pulse rate and, 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 and other vital signs. Um, and it comes up on the screen. If you're having a, a stressful day and you just want to get into your pod and just relax, it goes, hey, your, 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 your blood pressure's up a bit and your heartbeat's racing. Um, so I'm going to turn the seat massages on for you. I'm going to put some nice calming things on the LED display and uh, and, and, and hopefully you can you can zone out. This is where... Can I point out something very quickly? Um, I think Cadillac's doing a fantastic job with this kind of technology and ideas and... It's a really cool prospect to be able to press a button and just get relaxation mode. But I just want to point out, I drive a car to relax. So, so, <laughs> exactly. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so do I. Uh, but I caught up with David Long, who is a UX designer for General Motors, uh, to run me through the, uh, the the Cadillac Inner Space. We're starting with Level 5 Autonomous, so we're taking that as a given. It's a concept for the future, so we're thinking maybe 2030 and beyond. And when you're not driving, what can you do with your time? That's kind of the story we're trying to tell right here. So you mentioned that large wraparound screen. We're looking at it right now. We're looking at footage of down the road. We could also completely take over that screen with entertainment options or relaxation options. This has been designed in California at our advanced design studio, and this is a part of a family of vehicles, actually. So there's a personal space and a social space, and those came first. And this was, uh, I think virtually revealed at CES uh, the following year. So when do you think, in all reality, we would have a level five autonomous car, that being a fully driverless car where we're just sitting effectively as passengers in a pod? In, re- in realistic terms, how long do you think it'll be before we start to see this kind of car on our roads? It really is anyone's guess. I was talking to a gentleman earlier who's the CEO. He's pretty confident this is going to happen in the next uh, 10 years, which we're kind of projecting. We know it's ambitious, but target date is 2030, but that could be 2040, 2045. It really depends on infrastructure and, and where 
autonomy is at that time. It's fully electric, of course. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit, bit about the drivetrain? Being a concept vehicle, there's a lot to be determined. It's using the Altium battery technology that we're developing at General Motors. So you can see it's a very low profile vehicle. The battery technology allows you to create something like that. So there's batteries running all through the base of the car and they can stack them up in the front and the rear as well. What are some of the benefits of being in an autonomous vehicle when you're not having to drive and take care of the daily routine of driving? Right, and that's really the story here. I mean, that's why we created these this family of vehicle and the concept because there's different use cases. This use case is about enjoying your time. As you can see, there's a lot of leg room. What can you do with this time? You know, we really want to tell this wellness experience. That's why you have this biometric sensors in the seat. If you're stuck in traffic, we just want you to relax. And there's different ways you can do that. Some people want to watch a movie. Some people want to meditate. Some people want to look down the road. And there's an educational component to that experience as well. If, now that we're looking at a screen, not just out a window, we can overlay additional information, graphics, and give you like a nature tour or a historical tour and anything you're interested in. And as a customer, these preferences would be already set. It would know you and know where you want to go. It knows your lifestyle. It knows perhaps which restaurants you go to exactly. often, hotels you stay at, uh, be your, your, where you work. Yeah, your schedule. It has access to your information and you can control that. It's all private and self-contained. So you're not sharing that information with any other third party. Is there an ability, or maybe it's too early out of being a concept car, but is there an ability to, to take over the driving situation or this is a purely autonomous vehicle? These are purely autonomous concepts, yeah. So that's where we started. You know, like we just want to remove the driving completely. Just focus on what you can do with your time. You're going to have extra time and hopefully such a big deal in this case. Yeah, so that was David Long from General Motors from Cadillac telling us that the uh, the future, uh, at least partly, is uh, is is driverless, and uh, and that was the, some of the stuff that was going on down at Gitex. Now, also down at Gitex, uh, we had a look at the uh, a flying car. Now, it had no wheels on it, but the next generation that they're working on will. And this is the uh, uh, this is the, the 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 car from the Aerot X2. Um, they're saying it's if you can afford a two hundred thousand dollar car. Then and you don't have a fear of a fear of heights, then uh, maybe this might work out. Now they tested this car down at Skydive Dubai, and uh, it was on display at, G- at Gitex. So I spoke to uh, Monique from Xpen, the company that made it, and uh, she told me that they're developing it for private use. We are facing towards the personal users, and then we can use that maybe in the future where we are getting some traffic jam, we can get through over it. And then this is the fifth generation of flying cars. And it seems like more like an aircraft, but our real target is the next one, the next generation of that. It is a real flying car, which has four wheels, like a normal cars. And then when we want to fly, we can switch the modes. So we can drive through traffic and then fly. Yes, and under the regulation, we can fly through some urban cities, yes. Now, do you need to be a driver or a pilot? Do you need to have a flying license or a driving license? Yes, it's a good question. <laughs> In the future, we must have some license to drive it. Maybe we can get some extra license and permissions uh, under some civil aviation. It will be more easier than license than in some helicopters or planes. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, this this one, that's, this is the next generation yeah, you're talking about, but this one here doesn't drive. So what makes this different to, say, a helicopter? It's flying ways, uh, it's landing way and the takeoff way like helicopters because it's vertical takeoff and landing. But helicopter use, the energy is different because we are electric ones and no carbon emission. And we are making the materials carbon fiber. Yeah, so it's very light. And then the empty aircraft, 560 kilograms. And we can take two passengers with 200 kilograms. So the maximum takeoff weight is 760 kilograms. 
So that's the flying car. Uh, with that, as you heard there, 200 kilo um, uh, payload on 560 kilo uh, uh, body. Gives you about 35 minutes of range at below 1,000 feet at speeds of up to 130 kilometres per hour. Uh, but yeah, it's down to your authorities. Now, to give you an idea about when you say down to your authorities, uh, they had to get um, a, a flying permit from Dubai Civil Aviation to con- to perform that exercise at, uh, at Skydive Dubai. So I guess that's one of the issues. I mean, do you have flight paths? Do you have highways in the air? Do you have – is it going to be police by roaming police like we have road patrols here or is it going to be through civil avi- aviation at the air traffic control because you need – it's the air traffic control at Dubai Airport that looks after drone monitoring as well. You know, your, your, your camera drones and that's the thing. Um, where I just wanted to look like a DeLorean. I just want to look like a DeLorean. That's all that I need. Tucked in wheels and you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. hovering. Yeah. That's what I want to look like. It won't. No. I, the thing in that, that worries me is when she says, oh, it'll be an easier license. Flying should not be easy. No, 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 no. Do no, not no. let the populace in the air. Honestly, we driving can't, should not be easy. No, Nobody should exactly. be texting and flying. Exactly. And we look, we struggle to drive on the roads, let alone in the air. And it, you're adding a whole other element of problem there. A fender so, bender in the air yeah. is something we don't want to contemplate. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going, to, uh, the, we're going to go right to the other end of the spectrum after the break. We're going to be talking about classic cars. We're going to be talking about the Mille Miglia. And we're going to be joined by Martin Hounder, the founder and CEO of Octanium International, who is looking after the Mille Miglia in the Middle East. I can't wait. Stick around. This is Motomania. This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, welcome back to Motor Mania, and we're with you through until midday. Still in the studio with me, of course, is Imtashan Giado and Noel Ebden. Now, from Cars of the Future, we're going to turn our attention to some fantastic classic cars and uh, the most beautiful race in the world, which I can vouch for. Love it, love it, love it. The Mille Miglia. Uh, I took part in it once in Italy back in 1991. There you go. That's given my age away. Um, and I just can't wait to see it here properly in Dubai. We had a, a taste of it earlier on at the start of the year. So joining us now is the man who will make this a reality, Martin Halder, the founder and CEO of Octanium International. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Uh, now, first of all, let's talk about the where this came from, the Mille Miglia in, in Italy. It's been around since the 1920s. It was a it was a full-on motor race back then on public roads. Became uh, 1957, it changed tax to becoming a, a retrospective. But tell us about how it's evolved since then and, and the legacy it has for, for, for Italy, how popular it is in Italy. Well, yes. Uh, actually, uh, the Millimilia is one of the most uh, known brands of whole Italy together uh, in one range with Ferrari and uh, other automotive brands and other uh, lifestyle and luxury brands. Um, it is going back to 1927. There was the first edition. And uh, in 1957, it ended to be a, a serious road race, which was about speed. And uh, to give an idea how crazy res- this race was, it's uh, Mille Miglia, 1,600 kilometers through rural Italy in the 50s. And the most legendary victory was from Sterling Moss in 1955. Uh, they drove the 1,600 kilometers through rural Italy in 10 hours 
um, seven minutes and 48 seconds, including all stops, including everything in between. And, that, that, and that's with, too, that the roads were open to the public, too. Exactly. So people are still going about their daily life. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so it's, it's uh, even if you think about it today, even uh, on today's roads with today's cars, it's incredible. And then go back uh, from today's 60, 70 years and think about this in 57. Unbelievable. Um, and this is, uh, let's say, part of the legend of the Mille Miglia. Mm. Uh, then uh, there were a couple of years no Mille Miglia because it was just too dangerous uh, from 57 onwards. And uh, the Italians decided not to run this uh, event anymore. Similar like Tara Florio, which uh, has taken place a bit longer since uh, the early 70s. Um, and uh, then there was a kind of revival of the Mille Miglia in the early 80s. Uh, as a regularity race. What means regularity race? It's not about sheer speed, it's about precision. You're working with stopwatches, you have light barriers, you have uh, tubes uh, uh, measuring the time, and you have to be as precise as possible uh, following a road book and uh, the regulations that are given to the race. And um, since then, actually, it's a legend again in Italy, um, uh, it has uh, grown and grown and grown since um, uh, they started in the 80s again. And today, literally millions of Italians are along the road at the Mille Miglia. Um, probably one of the mo two examples for the most impressive stages are when you arrive in Siena, at the Campo di Siena. Unbelievable scenery, uh, the cars in the middle of this place. Um, or when you arrive in Italy, uh, in, in, at the capital of Italy, in Rome. Um, which is just great because the police is clearing the roads for the rally. And if you know a bit about the traffic in Rome, it's not an easy topic to clear the roads there. Um, <laughs> and you drive really uh, up to the Villa Borghese in the center of Rome uh, with a fantastic setup. Um, thousands and thousands of people are joining uh, this event along the, the road uh, and just enjoying these cars. Yeah. And uh, this is probably the most um, attractive topic about this. You just talked about autonomous driving and autonomous flying. We are the completely opposite of the range. We are big fans of autonomous drivers. Um, <laughs> and I think this is actually exactly what uh, we are looking for. Uh, it's all about active driving. It's all about men and machine or women and machine, more and more women and machine too, which is fantastic. Um, and this is what we want to celebrate here in the same way like in Italy. We are starting. Sure, you cannot immediately compare it to Italy. In Italy, it's a legend since 100 years. But I think we had a very good start with the prologue. You mentioned it, Damien, and uh, it was a pleasure to have you with us there um, and joining the event uh, with Imtishan and you too. All, all three of you have been involved. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. It was epic. Um, it, 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 I have to say it was, it was one of the highlights of my year. To, to share a car with, with Jochen Mass was just uh, one of those things you just tick on, your, on the box of things to do in life. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. Jochen is a fantastic example for um, a race driver. You see, they never forget what, what, what they have learned. Um, these guys are still so extremely fast. I mean, let's face it, Jochen is in his 70s now, but he is still such a great driver. Um, it always makes me very humble when I drive with him. Uh, then I know that actually I'm not really able to drive properly um, when you see it in comparison to these guys. Uh, we have some of them on board. Chucky X is joining the event too. Jochen oh. Maas is coming. Um, we have All the characters. An yeah. Another great person. Uh, yeah. Great, great personalities, great guys. Um, and uh, this event is uh, very much about uh, driving with classic cars, 
Great lineup, starting literally from 1927. The oldest car is a OM665 from 1927. Uh, I'm quite sure um, not very much people know about the brand mm -hmm. of OM, but OM is a brand from Brescia, where yeah. the Millimilia starts. And uh, the OM665 was literally the first uh, winner of the Millimilia in 1927. And we have exactly such a car joining the event here. And... Uh, we have cars, and this is a difference to the Millimilia in Italy. Uh, we have three classes. We do not stop at 1957, like in Italy. We have a so-called Jubilee class to honor the uh, founding year of the uh, United Arab Emirates, 1971. So cars till 1971. And we have a few cars, not very much of them, but very hand-picked, very selected cars that are a bit more modern in our contemporary icons class. So there is a Lamborghini uh, Countach Periscopio, very early one. Funny enough, we get yesterday the entry of a modern Lamborghini Countach, the latest model from yes, this year. Yeah. So oh, we wow. have both yeah. of them in our contemporary icons class. Fantastic. Um, and this is actually the, the lineup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... As you say, the the importance of the the Miller Million in terms of the history. You think back to, there was a time in the in the fifties and sixties where Enzo Ferrari put more weight on the Miller Million than than on Grand Prix racing. Mm -hmm. And and as you know, there were there were cars named the MM, which mm -hmm. was for Miller Million spec. And uh, you know the, the the importance that was given on that. And and I'm glad you touched on the, the the friendly police in Rome because we we enjoyed them too when we were over there. The police wave you through. And what I really love is that that's been embraced here as well with the Dubai police on the on the prologue were fantastic. They experienced. They went to Italy with you guys, of course, and experienced the Mila Milia and how the police interact with them there. Came back here. The greatest bunch of guys, weren't they, to have a chat with yeah, them at, were, at, yeah, at yeah. night and um, and see them enjoying themselves and just getting in with the whole spirit of things. I think people forget that the Dubai police are also really passionate car guys. I mean, look at their super coffee. It's just a clear example yeah. of what they like. And <laughs> they love driving. Mm. Uh, but they love re-spreading the word of the Millimilia, spreading the word about driving safely on the roads and having fun. And I think one of the cool things about mm. the Millimilia is that it's a, it's a participant-friendly event. It's not a track where you buy a ticket. Anybody standing on the road can watch 100 great classics drive by. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was a really it was a great message to put out there to have Dubai police over in, in, in Italy representing the UAE and conversely coming back here and being participants. You know, we sit down with them and, and, and enjoy a bit of time with them. Um, you know, the it, it, what I find with classic rallying or classic racing, it's it's a leveller. Everyone is the same mm -hmm. because we all have the common interest of just the car and it doesn't matter who you are. We're all the same. And I'll give you a, a fantastic example. When I, when I did it in, in, I think it was 19, I did it once as a media, 1990, and then I did it as a participant in 1991. I was in a Lancia Lambda uh, boat tail. Mm -hmm. um, but when, when we were in the media, I was staying at a friend's place who happened to live in Colino, which is the village where Contessa Maggie, her husband, was the, the founder. And mm -hmm. that was the oh, village. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we we're going from Colino down to the, the ceremonial um, breakfast, lunch later in the day got woken up by the sound of a car backfiring outside of the little place we're staying in and i go what is that look outside and it's a it's a it was a 1930 something lagonda rapide being push started by prince michael of kent <laughs> he's rolling his sleeves up and he's and he's like give us a hand give us a hand and it was his son that was driving it was victor gauntlet's son actually who was driving the car. he was the chairman of aston martin at the time and it was victor gauntlet um son driving his car and pushing this car going this is the Queen's, you know, this is, this is royalty. <laughs> and then we're down there having lunch. And it was just one of those things, a great leveller of everyone is the same. 
Exactly, and yep. it's just uh, it's just the atmosphere is fantastic, and uh, and it's something that I think is I think has been replicated here, even in in the prologue that we've seen so briefly, but already has been replicated. And the 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 great point is they are running in the same category. Uh, because it's about precision, it's not about speed. So you can easily let a car from 1927 run in the same cat category than a car from 1957. Or a Fiat 1100, we have uh, one or two Fiat 1100s from India joining the event, which is a small Fiat from the 50s, together with a Ferrari to, uh, 250 uh, California short wheelbase. They are in the same category. They are racing yeah. against each other, and they both have the same chances, because yeah. it's about precision and we say in this classic car regularity rallies, the brain is sitting on the passenger seat uh, because uh, this is actually the, the, the guy on the passenger seat is reading this road book, these uh, rules that are given in. So it's really yeah. a big book mm -hmm. where every, every corner is described. And uh, he is giving um, um, the, the right uh, input to the driver to take the right notes, to have the right speed and everything that is involved in that. Yeah. Um, and that, that levels really the whole scene. And mm. they are sitting ne next to each other. They have fun. And they are competing with each other. Yeah. Uh, same chances for everybody. Fantastic. I just want to ask very quickly, what, what, um, what, how much yep. is the California worth? Well, uh, that's a difficult question. The 250 California uh, Spider long wheelbase. 12 million US dollars, yeah. probably 14. I'll yeah, tell you it's what. always a bit difficult to say. Yeah, We'll continue the chat straight after this. I'm so glad we've got you here. Martin Howler, the boss of Octanium, in the studio to talk about the Mille Mille experience that's coming to the UAE. And we're going to continue more about the Mille Mille straight after this. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. I apologise, Intlishan, I cut you a bit short there. The Ferrari 250 GT, just tell us again the, the, the value of the some of the cars that we've got. In excess of 10 to $12 million. And to be honest, it's hard to put a number on it, isn't it, Martin? Because it just keeps going up. Yeah. Mm. It's the most expensive, one of the most expensive Ferraris in the world, famously used in Fer Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm. Ah, that, yes, yes. Although oh, that was the, the short wheelbase version, we have the long wheelbase version as well, which is coming all the way from the UK, but it normally resides in Thailand. Mm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so what, Martin, what are some of the, uh, the stellar cars that you're allowed to tell us that, that are coming over? Well, let me give you some examples. Um, uh, the great thing is that we have really a couple of pre-war cars. Uh, cars uh, before 1940, which is just fantastic. They bring over the cars, especially from Italy and Germany. Um, I mentioned the OM, we have pre-war Bugattis, uh, we have pre-war MGs, uh, we have a pre-war Lagonda, we have a pre-war Bentley, uh, quite a cool, cool, uh, cool toy. Um, and then we have the cars of the 50s. Um, to give you an idea, we have 10 Mercedes 300 SL Galvings oh. confirmed. Oh, 10? So this is a, <laughs> a whole lineup. This <laughs> is really a Galving gang there um, <laughs> with 10 cars of them. Um, uh, at this time, we have some uh, Ferrari and Maserati Barquettas uh, from these days, uh, original race cars from back the days, very rare ones, uh, one uh, flying in from Los Angeles. Um, and uh, then we have the bit more modern cars, let's say it like this, the cars from the 60s. We have the Jaguar E-types. Mm. Uh, we have the Ferrari uh, 250 series, um, three or four of them. 
uh, from the 60s. Uh, we have the Porsche 356, the whole lineup, uh, 356 Speedstar, 356 Convertible D, 356 uh, Model A, um, so the lineup there. And then we come to the more close to the 70s with the Porsche 911s, so the very early ones, um, Maserati Ghibli, um, Ferrari Daytona. Please tell uh, me you have Alfa Romeos, do you? Oh, sure we do. We have. And <laughs> oh, Damien, you had to get that. In, I had to get you? it. In. No question about this. Uh, sure, we have an Alfa Romeo. Uh, this is part of the legend, and one of the pre-war cars is an Alfa Romeo too. Alfa Romeo oh, 6C. A 6C. Over, a 6C. A 6C. Oh. Super Sport coming over from Italy. It's on the boat. And um, oh, Damien's I just had, eyes just lit up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then obviously we have the Beltonis, wonderful cars, probably yeah. some of the best ever uh, ever produced um, Alfa Romeos fantastic looking great to drive um, and uh, uh, so we have Alfa Romeos obviously too in the Millimilia milli cannot be without <laughs> Alfa Romeos um, we know very well that Ferrari started with Alfa Romeos uh, and Alfa Romeos fueled uh, his passion for building great race cars of course that, uh, and mm, then he Fra switched Ferrari's to Ferrari just the sports division of Alfa Romeo so. <laughs> oh. in, in, in the early beginning yes <laughs> in was. the early beginning yes yeah. and uh, it's a quote from Ferrari that uh, Millimilia is the most beautiful race in the world that's an original quote from Enzo Ferrari yeah perfect um, how can can people still enter at this stage? I mean, what, what, what's, what's the criteria to, to, to be allowed to enter? Um, actually, you have to have an eligible car. That means it has to be um, a car that fits to one of these categories I mentioned, the original Millimilia category. There it has to be registered in the Millimilia registry. The Millimilia in Italy has an own registry for cars that are able to enter the Millimilia. Uh, the cars till 1971 have to have a so-called FIFA passport. That means that uh, FIFA is the international organization for classic cars. That this car is really a classic car and not, for example, a resto mod with a modern engine. Uh, we take care of it that we really have the cars from the era with uh, the technique of the era, with, with all the, the specs of the era. And then, obviously, it's a bit easier with the modern uh, category, the contemporary icons, because there you have the whole range of cars. They have all, uh, all of them have to be road legal because we are driving on public roads. Um, and um, uh, the first event is by invitation only. So it's not that easy to get in. Um, the, the lineup is actually, I don't know the, the, the exact number, but we are nearly full. I know this. And it's more about uh, getting the cars registered and the international car, getting them shipped. Uh, we spend quite a lot of time in organizing together with the owners the shipping. Um, so we know much more about logistics than we wanted to know um, uh, because uh, the supply chains are not really working properly. And shipping the cars from all over the world, it's really a challenge. But we get it done very well now. Yeah. And, and so w where does the uh, event run through? It, it, it runs through... All seven Emirates? Or? Yes, yes, we are covering all seven Emirates. Um, uh, this is a, that's the reason why we call it Jubilee Edition. We want to honor um, the, the founding year of the UAE, 1971. We start in Dubai at uh, Dubai Creek Golf and Yacht Club. At the 4th of December, and that's probably in, in important for um, uh, everybody who is listening to yep. us, uh, this is open to the public, the Dubai Creek uh, Golf and Yacht Club. All cars are displayed there together with other very special cars that are in, in these days uh, in the country. Uh, we display them at the golf course. A wonderful time. It's a Sunday. Just have a walk over the golf course. The cars are displayed on the green, open to the public. No um, uh, admissions 
great for families with children and for car enthusiasts, obviously. Fantastic. I guess, I guess that's what makes the rally, isn't it? That yeah. I mean, we were talking off air and saying that, you know, you can actually physically walk up and touch the car. I mean, not people don't yeah. want you touching their cars necessarily, but you can stand right next to these million, multi-million dollar cars. It's open for everyone. Yeah, that's that's a great thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't pinch anything. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but you can go up and see them and there's, uh, and that's the great thing is the beauty of it. So you absolutely get down to Dubai Creek Golf Club. Yeah. December 4th. Exactly. And uh, all the cars will be down there. It's in a sweet spot of the year too because we've got it's straight after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We've got historic other classic cars, historic well, racing yeah. at the race yeah. at the Dubai Autodrome. We've got icons of Porsche happening. We've got the Millimeters. So uh, look, we've run out of time. Unfortunately, we could keep talking about this for another half hour. But Martin Howler, <laughs> at least, yeah, <laughs> Martin Howler from Octanium, uh, behind the Millimeter experience here in the UAE. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us this morning. And I will tell you what, this is not the last that we're going to talk about it. Uh, we've got a whole lot more. This is Motormania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Right now, it's time for... Fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's it. Tell us uh, about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. For those of us who uh, tune in every Saturday, you know how it works, what we need. It's so easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make. We need the model. We need the year, the color, the mileage, as much information as you can possibly get for us and uh, send it through to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. Uh, But of course, as you know, I'm not doing it on my own. I'm joined by, uh, well, it's good to have you back in the studio, automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who will be prior your car and giving you all the unbiased car advice and uh, he talks to us here live in the studio naz welcome back thank you for having me back really looking forward to this actually it's going to be a busy hour i'll tell you what it's an yeah. adrenaline filled hour you <laughs> so i hope you've uh, i hope you're uh, you, you're ready and you got your finger on the pulse yeah definitely fantastic well um right now we've got in fact we've got a person on the phone straight away i'm just going to put that through uh we've got andy fordham who's uh on the phone Good morning, Andy. Good morning, guys. Welcome, and uh, good to have. Good to be on the show again. My pleasure. You're uh, you, you're the early bird, so you're the first one through. Fantastic stuff. Now you've got a 2015 Ford Explorer um, with 200,000 kilometres. Um, you say there's maroon, it's mint inside, leather interior, top of the line model, with a full service history. What else can you tell us about the uh, the Explorer? How, how long have you owned it for? Well, let me tell you that the mint inside is not the colour. It was a description. Of the <laughs> in, case, in, in case any of the listeners wondered that a maroon with a mint interior. Let, let it fly. Keep talking it up, Andy. Keep talking yeah. it up. Now, listen, I, I've, I've owned the car since you. I got it in December 2015. Um, I drove it myself through to 180,000 Ks. It was under our tyre until 100,000 Ks for servicing and warranty, and then it's been regimentally serviced at iService Any Car for the last 100,000K. Um, it was passed on to my wife when I upgraded to an F-150. Um, significant work done in that time, because like I think cars weren't here. We just recently um, pulled the whole engine out, done the engine mounts, done the gearbox mounts, done the water pump. Um, it's a great car. We're not selling it because it, any of that. We're selling it just purely because... It's too big a car for my wife. She she drives ninety five percent of the time by herself, um, and whereas I've got the F one fifty that serves having the big car for moving things around. So we're just one interested in what the value is. Yeah. Uh, it, when I say mint condition, I'm I'm a bit OCD, so I keep everything very tidy. Never been smoked, and the interior is is top of the line for two hundred thousand k. The exterior has been kept in top shape condition. Things fixed when they're done. 
So I think, you know, you wouldn't find one in better condition for this age. Fantastic. Uh, well, what, what do you think, Naz? So, Andy, first of all, thank you for the information. I think that was one of the most comprehensive uh, descriptions of a car. In <laughs> fact, you almost sold it to me. I wouldn't mind buying it myself. <laughs> having said that... But, but you know, you, you, you wanted a mint interior. I know that. Yeah, no. <laughs> having said that, in today's market, is it the limited? When you say full option, I'm assuming it's the limited model. Can you... Listen, I, I bought it at the end of the line of that kind of line. It's yeah. like every bell and whistle on that you can Yeah, so it would be the limited. All, all the, yes. Um, I mean, the only downside with this car, although you have had it serviced, is the 200,000 kilometers, and that would put a lot of people off. Having said that, if you were to sell it in today's market on the conventional classifieds, I'd put this up somewhere in the mid to late 30s. But the same way you described the car on the phone, I'd really encourage you to have some good photos and write a good description because the right person will read the description and will come give you somewhere, I'd say, mid-30s. Yeah. And, you know, that, so that sounds fair and reasonable. Um, I spoke to you guys when it had done about 150, um, and I think you guys were saying around about mid-40s yeah. uh, back then, and, and I understand that, so I, you know, I would be happy with that. Um, the, the great thing is, and I've sold two or three or four cars like this before, when you hand someone an entire folio of everything you've done to the car... It, it makes um, a big difference. It, 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 it means a lot to people that, oh. you, that you back it up. And, and I'm not saying that it, I'm giving them a warranty, but I'm saying everything I've done up till now is because it needed to be done. And, yeah. and people like that. Yeah. I really don't think you'll have a problem as long as you write the full description. Uh, the right person will come along, appreciate the work you put into it, and of course the fact that you're OCD about this car. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you'll be well, well your way into the 30s, as I said. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Absolute pleasure, Andy. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks very much, Andy. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, now, I've also got a uh, text message here for you, Naz, and this is uh, Wasim has texted in. He wants to know the price of a 2019 Toyota Camry, uh, dark blue, limited full options. It's got 110,000 kilometres on the clock. Toyota Camrys, I mean, there are millions of them around. So it's a competitive car to sell. It is a competitive car to sell, but at the same time, there's a huge market for a, for a, for a good condition used Camry. People want to save 30 40% and buy something a few years old with a bit more kilometres, and essentially they're getting the same car, really. So, you know, this car is in demand, and I'd say today's current market value is around seventy five to 80,000 dirhams. Okay, great. Now, going to the lines again, we've got uh, Joe on the phone. Now, Joe's got a car that, that I like. It's an Alfa Romeo, of course. It's an Alfa Romeo Giulia 2019 model with 110,000 kilometres. Uh, good morning, Joe. Morning, guys. How are you? Very good, thanks. Very good. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about the uh, your 2019 Alfa Romeo Giulia? H- have you owned it since new? Uh, I've had it, sorry. I didn't do it. Have you, have you owned the car since new, or are you, are you, are you the first yeah, owner? I've, I've owned it uh, probably about a year and a half now. Okay, and uh, what, what's, what, what, are your, what are your reasons for perhaps looking to put it on the market? Um, I'm just wanting to go for probably the Celgio, the four-wheel drive, because I love this car. It's soft and nice. Yeah. Back for money, and... Uh, it's a nice sports car, but I'll probably go for the four-wheel now, Alfa Romeo. The Stelvia, yeah, it's getting it's getting good reviews. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a nice car, I tried it also. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Naz, what do you think, 2019 Alfa Romeo Giulia? 
first of all, good choice, Joe. Alfa Romeo is a real driver's car. I appreciate you leaving one to get into another. That's always a good thing to hear. <laughs> Sadly, on the downside, there's not many people like us that appreciate these type of cars, um, especially when the kilometers are touching over 100,000. Um, you know, they're just not as popular here as they are in Europe. However, having said that, I'd probably put this on the market for around 90 to 95,000 dirhams. Um, and you'd probably get somewhere around 80 to 85 after people negotiate. Sadly, it's just not the most desirable car. And people are not waking up every morning and looking for an Alfa Romeo Giulia. Having said that, if you are buying the new Stelvio, as you said, you'll probably get the best value for your car if you trade it in or parts exchange it with Gergash or the local Alfa Romeo dealer. So just take it in and say, look, I'm only going to buy that new car if you take this old one off me at 100,000 dirhams. And there's a fair chance they'll probably help you with that and they'll give you more value and less headache than having to sell it yourself. That's my opinion. I'll do that. Thanks for the advice. Yeah, I think it makes sense probably have to do that. I, I think also, Joe, in this market right now, uh, the Alfa Romeo dealer would be happy to buy a car off you because exactly. there's not a lot of stock <laughs> around. So, And if you're going to trade and, and take one off their hands as well, they will love you. So I'll tell you what, go down there. <laughs> Naz is spot on. Go down there and have a chat with them. Show them what I you've got and show them what you want to buy. <laughs> I would love to pay me more off. <laughs> Brilliant. All the best, Joe. All the best. Thank you, Thank Joe. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Nice program. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, for, so thanks much. very much, Joe. Well, there you go. Um, uh, talking about Alfa Romeo, still coming through. Uh, Emma has uh, has texted in, and uh, Emma has a tw- almost the same. 2018 Alfa Romeo Giulietta, 75,000 kilometres on this. Uh, warranty until February 2023. And uh, she's asking, will the value decrease much after the warranty expires? Uh, also, as, that she's not really looking to sell, just, just, just getting an idea of, bit of an idea of how much the warranty will uh, will add will, will take away from the value after it expires. Now, I think with an Alfa Romeo NAS, quite substantial, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is turn the negative into a positive, Emma. The first three, four, five, five years is where ultimately the car takes the most of the depreciation. So I wouldn't worry too much about that because w- once the warranty is expired, of course, it's a different story. But you would have had 60, 70% of the depreciation that's already taken place. However, having said that, there are a lot of independent warranty companies out there that are fairly inexpensive, where for the sake of two, three thousand dirhams over a year or two, you can actually get independent um, warranties to add on to the vehicle. So that would help you with A, your peace of mind if you were to continue driving the car, and B, peace of mind to potential new buyer if you were to sell it. So um, yes, the warranty does devalue the car. Well, the warranty expiration devalues the car, but there are ways around that by just buying an extended warranty package these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd like to get your opinion on this one. This is a text from uh, from from Peter Holt, and um, he's asking about the VW ID6 Cross Pro. Now we know that these cars are coming in on the grey market; they're not actually sold by Volkswagen here, and we've we've discussed on this on the show a few times at, uh, over. But he's uh, he's looking for a value on it, and I honestly do not have an idea of what the value of, of that kind of car would be. It's an ID6 uh, 2021 model. It's got 5,000 kilometres on it. Um, and looking at uh, have you seen – I mean, these car, we've seen a lot of these cars yeah, floating around Alloa. Yeah, we see them definitely. In, in other parts as well. I saw three last night actually just, just driving yeah, around. Yeah, they really They're are everywhere. But I don't know where they sit in the, on the value market. So it's actually quite interesting because the prices have substantially shot up in the past few months mm. for, the, for these great import vehicles. Uh, most of them come from Canada or USA. Now, unfortunately, 
you know, they are f- fairly hard to find the right buyer for because Nabuda don't want to have anything to do with them. So yep. they don't want to service them. They don't want to warranty them. So, you know, you're on your own. As I said, for the previous caller, Emma, you can get an independent warranty on these, which obviously adds to peace of mind. In terms of where we stand on today's car value, um, you see them advertised brand new zero kilometers, like you said, Damien, in Alawir, around the 160,000 mark. Now they're they're willing to negotiate five seven thousand if you go there on a good day, um, with this having five thousand kilometers on it, but fully loaded with a heads up display. I'd say one forty five to one fifty if you were to find the right buyer. Um, but if you don't have an independent warranty on it, I'd really encourage you to just go spend a couple of thousand with one of the specialists, get an independent warranty because that will really open up the market to everybody to buy this car. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. Uh, we're going to go quickly now to, to Zaid. Now, Zaid, you have a BMW 2017 model uh, with the M kit. It's a 530i, rather. Um, M kit, you've got 26,000 kilometres or just under. Uh, good morning, Zaid. 25,664. I'm driving the car right now, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It'll be 666 How by the time meters? we finish the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's the, it's the 530i, is that right, with the M kit? Yeah, with the MKIT 530i 2017, just had the tires changed uh, black. Okay, okay. And you're looking to uh, to sell, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe just looking to sell with the money I make, maybe put in a few thousand and maybe get a new one. I'm a big fan of the BMW 5 Series cars. Yeah, brilliant. What, what do you think, Nance? Yeah, the 530 is a great car. Can I ask, has it got the, um, the executive pack with the TVs in the back or is it just the M Sport? It's the M Sport, yeah. It doesn't have the TVs in the back, no. Okay. One thing that really works in your favor is the extremely low kilometers, and the right buyer would really, really appreciate that. Um, I haven't seen anything with that low kilometers on the market recently, to be fair. Um, I think, you know, if it were to have average kilometers around 80,000, 70,000, 100,000, you see them advertised for around 140, 145, 150. Um, I'd be brave and put it up at 169 or 179, really, and just sit there and wait for somebody who appreciates that kind of mileage. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's up there. That's great. Yep. But just you'd have to sit on it for a bit because the right buyer will come along um, who appreciates the mileage. I mean, you know, the average person is going to compare online. Yours will be the most expensive, but obviously there's a reason for that. So sit tight and uh, hold on and wait for the right buyer to come along. Yeah, sounds like you've got that's a good, good a good car there, Zaid. So uh, it's worth, worth hanging on, and you'll you'll get the you'll get top dollar. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's it's one of those things, right? Like you appreciate the car's value. Yep. I haven't driven it enough. The other car I have, don't ask me the mileage. Don't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, but on this one, I just yeah, it's it's only taken out when you know I I feel like driving it, and you know, I mean, Brilliant. the kids don't scratch the back. You know, I have I've, I've taken good care of it, so yeah. It's. Uh, I'm really glad to hear Naz has given me a good. Do you want to buy it, Naz? <laughs> Unfortunately not. I have way too many cars. I won't be. I won't be allowed inside the house if I buy one more car. <laughs> That's time for a whole new segment. What about you, Damien? Uh, I'm giving you a good deal, man. I'll go for one sixty nine. Let's the go. Hustle's That's coming fun, on. Man. You don't know what journalists earn. Sorry, buddy. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much, Zaid, uh, and uh, all the best with that one. Fix it or flip it.
Yeah, tell us about your car. We'd love to hear it anyway. But tell us also how much, we'll try and tell you how much it's worth. And this is how it works. We just give us as many details as you can. The make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. They're the staple ones. Anything on top of that would be a fantastic bonus. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And uh, I'm joined in the studio by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who is ready to take your calls and uh, give you some advice. Now, we're going straight to... We're going straight to the lines, and uh, we've got Anna on the phone. Good morning, Anna. Yes, Damien. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So you've got a Nissan Pathfinder um, 2013, yes. is that right? Yes, yes, right. It's the basic option, so it has run around 160,000 uh, kil- uh, kilometres. So I'm thinking of maybe changing now or, or keep it. Um, if I'm going to keep it, how long can I still run it? And oh. what's the value if I'm going to change? Sure. Yeah, sure. Have you went, have you, uh, are you the first owner, do you know? And, and have you had it serviced through, uh, through, through Nissan or through, through someone you know? Um, yeah, it, I'm the second owner. It has been serviced um, in the beginning with Nissan. Now I'm, um, I'm servicing it with Dynatrade. Mm-hmm. Okay, Naz. Yeah. What do you what do you think? That's uh, a, a Nissan Pathfinder twenty thirteen, one hundred and sixty thousand kilometers, and it's in the all important white color. Yeah, very very desirable car, and I don't think you're gonna have an issue selling it. I mean, in terms of today's market price, probably thirty five to thirty eight thousand dirhams, and that's a lot of car, seven seater family yeah. car. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the mileage, Anna. These things do go on forever. You know, you serviced it in Nissan and Dynatrade as well, who are pretty much you know nissan um dealerships as well so you know you've got a good service history sadly the car is basic but having said that you know you can drive this on for another few years uh, without worrying too much they're solid cars but you can also sell it for 30 35 000 in today's market oh good to know yeah Maybe I'll keep it for a few more years then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it'll provide you with some a uh, couple of more years of good service, Anna, that's for sure. Yeah. Ah, okay. Good. Brilliant. Yeah. All Thanks the be- so much, sir. All the best with that one. Uh, now best. we've got um, we've got John on the line. Now John is uh, it's a bit of an open ended question here. John, you're looking to buy a car, but uh, you're asking for a bit of advice, but you, you, you're not finding what you need in the dealerships. Is that right? Absolutely. So I'm in the market for a Land Rover. I went to Land Rover and wanted to buy a Land Rover Velar on Evoque and there was no stock. And this is the car I had before, but then I sold it when I left uh, Dubai for a year and now I'm back. So now there's no stock in the market and they don't foresee anything coming until, let's say, uh, 2023. All I could find is American specs in the used market. And all my friends are telling me, you know, don't buy American specs or European specs, wait for the GCC specs. So I'm kind of debating this idea, should I go for the, and I don't want to buy a car that I don't like, so I want the car that I want. And so I'm debating, should I go for a, uh, let's say, a foreign specs, or should I continue uh, waiting? So I don't know. I'm lost here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and and many thousands of others right now, uh, John. Absolutely. Um, so you're you're you've got your heart set on on the Land Rover Velar. You that that's the one you're you're looking at. The Range Rover Velar, I should say. That's the absolutely. one you're looking at. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Naz, tell me, you've got your feet on the ground in the yeah, market. Sure. Um, in terms of in this situation, do you stick out and get uh, a GCC spec car or can you think you could sneak in and get a US spec car? I mean, a European spec is closer to ours anyway. Yeah. But it's the US spec one is probably the one that uh, would be, I would say be cautious of perhaps. Yeah. I mean, look, from my side, ideally, I'd much rather go for a GCC spec car. For two reasons, really. First one being is you get the unparalleled warranty and service packages that Altair are giving these days. Um, And that's something that would really, you know, give you peace of mind and also, you know, decrease that depreciation hit. Um, Having said that, you know, the the great import cars will save you a bit of money as well because they'll be cheaper than the GCC variants. John, I just wanted to ask you, are you looking for something brand new with zero kilometers? Or are you happy for something that's, you know, a year old? Ideally, uh, yes, that would have been the case because I've always taken it from Altair, like you just mentioned, with the yeah. service and the warranty, etc. But at the moment, that is not an option. So, And how long are you um, planning to keep the car for? I'm just thinking about depreciation. Usually the average uh, time I keep a car is around three years. Yeah. So let's fast forward to, you know, 2025. You sat there with a GCC spec car versus, you know, a gray import car. Significant difference in resale value to the tune of 30, 40, mm. even 50,000 dirhams. So, you know, you have to take that into account. Um, have you looked to the large independent dealers such as, you know, I think the Elite Cars had a nice batch of these in recently. Okay, have I'll you- have a look at that. I've been checking online for the website, and yes, I, I did come across two or three with better uh, GCC specs, but high mileage. So I was. Uh, yeah. So I'm still looking. I check every day. Really. I, I tell you what, John. Here's here's an idea. Uh, how about have you have a look through the classifieds? If you can find a a full service history GCC spec Velar that's near you that you can pick up privately at the same time, put your order in with our tire and get on the queue. Uh, which yeah. will give you time, and then you'll have a good car to trade in with them, and that will that will cut your your your, your buyer idea. difference down. And and they would love to take the stock, as we said earlier. They, they they're looking for stock, so you've, you'll have a product that they will want, and uh, and you'll be able to get into your your new one. But you'll still be driving a Falari in the meantime. Yeah, that's a great idea. I haven't thought of that. That yeah, is a great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damien pulled one out of the hat there. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All, all the best, John. All the best, and John. I, Thank I hope you. that works. Uh, now we're going to uh, Namil. Good morning, Namil. You've got a Nissan X Trail. Um, I got a 2018 Nissan X Trail, the 2.5 edition. Okay. Two- uh, with the multimedia console inside it. Okay, so 2018, you're a bit muffled there, so I'm just trying to decide. It's 90,000 kilometers, and you've got the TV console in the in the back. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, it's in the front. In the front, okay. Yeah. Okay, and uh, you, you're, you're looking to, to sell? You're looking for a value on this car? Yes, I am. I just want to know what kind of value I would be getting if I was planning on selling it. Okay. Have you uh, have you taken it off road? Have you and, and are you the first owner or second owner? Do you go camping and, and head out to the desert, Evan, or is this a, a car purely that stays on on the uh, on the black stuff? It's purely on the black stuff. I never go out in the desert. Uh, I've had bad experiences going into the desert. So I <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, living in Dubai, you can't do it. You can't escape the sun. But uh, yeah, I keep it on the black stuff. Thanks. And of course, I am the first owner. Brought uh, it back in two thousand eighteen. Fantastic, uh, Naz. Sorry, I just missed the start of the call. It was slightly muffled. How many kilometers did he say it had? Uh, 90,000. 90,000. And 
And what what trim level is it? Was it like the SL? Is it is this uh, the, no, this is the basic two point five? The base, just the basic. Okay, so yeah. great car again. Pretty much similar to the uh, Pathfinder, you know, the Nissan four-wheel drive range is very desirable. X-Trail. In, in the, uh, no, sorry, the X-Trail yeah. and the previous car. Oh, yes, Pathfinder, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Very desirable yeah, in the used car market. Yeah. Um, sadly, is basic, which is, uh, you know, most people want at least leather and things like that. Uh, having said yeah. that, in today's market, normal, I'd say you'd want to advertise it somewhere around 60,000, 55 to 60, and you'd probably walk away with somewhere in the low 50s. Okay. Still Brilliant. Well, I hope, that, uh, I hope that helps you, Nirmal. Yeah, thank you very much. Fantastic. There you go. Uh, now, we've got a, a, a texter who's read in, um, AK, and she has a, a DB9 Aston Martin, 2004, 30,000 kilometres on the clock, looking for, for a rough idea of uh, values on that one. What an absolute beautiful Isn't car. it, eh? <laughs> and you don't find them with 30,000 kilometres anymore. So, yeah. AK, you have something special. I wouldn't sell that if I was you, but if I were <laughs> to sell it, I'd just put it on and wait for the right buyer who appreciates something so special. Um, 160, 170,000 dirhams, and I think yeah. that's money in the bank. It's not going to go down in value. You know, the right person uh, would appreciate such a car. And essentially, we're a few years away from it being a future classic, right? We're not, oh, absolutely. We're not far off. Yeah, it's ab- just absolutely. such a timeless classic. I think it's at the bottom of the curve right now. Exactly. Get, get in now and exactly. put it in the garage. Fix it. Or flip it. You know the drill by now. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, a famous owner, any incidents you've had, some great travelling stories. It all adds to the story that helps you sell your car or buy your car. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN player. And uh, a lot of people are doing that this morning, which is great because I'm joined in the studio by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury. And uh, he's uh, ready to take a whole lot more calls for you. Now, we're going straight now, Naz, to the lines, and we've got Imran on the line. And uh, Imran, uh, good morning. You've got a BMW 740 2016. Can you tell us more about this one? Hi, good morning, Damien. Um, okay, here is the session. I've got a 740 Li, which is 2012, which I'm driving right now, and I love it. And I'm changing it for a 2016 that I messaged you. Oh, okay, so okay. So you've got a... At 2012, you're looking for value on and you're looking to buy a 2016, yeah? Yeah. So um, the 2016 is 146,000 kilometers done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, that midnight blue color BMW yeah. came out with. It, and uh, it just ran out of warranty. But um, I know the owner personally, and I got the car checked, but it's got a transmission issue. So the garage tells me I'll need to change the transmission on it. And they're recommending a used transmission somewhere from Sharjah that they think are, is going to be very good for it. I'm wondering whether I should go for it or not, and what could be the value if I go for it. Otherwise, the car is in perfect condition. It's a can of worms there, Imran. <laughs> um, Naz, you, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, look, the great cars, obviously, you're a fan of BMW, you see upgrading from the older shape into the newer shape. Um, I would say there are quite a few on the market. Like, the, there's always over 50 or you know, 50, 60, 70, you know, that shape price range BMWs on the market so this isn't the only one so why would you go buy something with a gearbox problem the answer is if it's really really good value now having said that the ZF gearboxes on these cars are practically bulletproof so generally what goes wrong is the mechatronics and the electronics unit that runs the gearboxes Um, and you really want a specialist you know I'm not saying anything bad about Sharjah but I would go to the best BMW specialist these mechatronics need to get programmed and coded in and things like that. And sometimes trying to save a few pennies, you'll end up doing the job twice. Um, now, 
back to the original question. You know, had this car been in, unfortunately, the mileage is on the higher side, but had it been in good running condition, I'd say today's market values 80, uh, sorry, about 95 to 100,000 dirhams, realistically. Um, with the gearbox problem, I wouldn't want to pay more than 65 just to keep 70, just to keep a nice buffer. Um, you know, you'd want to spend 15, 20,000 to get this gearbox done. But if something goes wrong, you want to keep that buffer. Now, I don't think he'll sell it for that, but that's that's what I'd pay for it, to be honest. Yeah. Also, too, also too Imran, if I may say, that with, with, and Naz brought up a very good point, the ZF gearbox is, is a very good unit. It's very strong. But it's also used in a variety of other cars as well. So it's used in a lot. So maybe it might be worth just, just getting in touch with ZF themselves and finding out where what, what that box is. Because if it's compatible... If they say it's the same you know, with the ma- engine mapping and everything else, it's compatible with another uh, car, say, for argument's sake, a Lexus. I'm just putting it out there. I don't know. But, yeah. but say it's yeah. that, then maybe that, that opens up a window to, to shop a little wider around. But, but as Naz says, it's going to impact the value of the car very much so. I got that. And thank you for the advice, but I'm going for the best of the garages. I'm not going into any second-grade garages. So, I mean, following them. Um, thanks a lot. I... I got the value there. Thank you very much. Just make sure you ask for a warranty. Generally, with these gearbox repairs, you know, the standard would be at least three to six months warranty. With more reputable garages, they may give you more, like a year's warranty. And I think that would uh, make you a lot more confident. They're talking about replacing the whole thing, not repairing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough then. All all the best with that, Imran. Thank you. No problems. We're going to go now straight to Abdul. Good morning, Abdul. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Now, you've got a car that's been popular so this morning. It's uh, it's another Nissan Pathfinder, um, 1998 GCC Specs. Now, you said here you've just changed the engine. Is um, is that because of you had any modifications to it or was it because of an incident or it, the engine expired? Tell, tell us a little bit more about it. The, the engine actually had an issue with the oil and the filtration, so, yeah. I have to change the whole engine. I got a Japanese spec uh, engine, to be precise, and I fixed it. And the car is like same like brand new one. No sound, nothing, no issues with it. But I'm thinking, should I sell it out or should I keep it for a few more years? And I'm just confused what to do with the car now. Yeah, it, is it the same uh, specification engine? You said you, you got a, a, an import yeah. from Japan, yep. so it's the same capacity. It fits the it fits with the model of the car. Yes, yes, that's perfectly yeah. Okay, what do you think, Naz? Honestly, these these Nissans, they're so generally reliable and the running cost is so low. Um, being a 1998 model, what's it going to sell for? 10, 15,000 dirhams? Um, if you've got a car that runs, that you've just invested a new engine in, you know, worst case scenario now, it needs brakes or tires, a couple of hundred dirhams here, a couple of hundred dirhams there. It sounds like you've got a very, very cost-effective uh, set of wheels. And unless you've really come into something and you want to really upgrade and spend a lot of money, this thing's going to fit the bill and it's going to keep you running for the next year or two. Yeah, that's it. The car is really reliable that I can say that. I've been using it for the past uh, 12 years and it has been reliable. Less costly, actually. Exactly, yeah. So unless you want to fork out 50, 100, 150,000 on something new... Then just hold on to this for a bit longer, <laughs> since you've just paid for a new engine. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you've taken the hit on it, Abdul, Abdul Rahman. So, uh, you, you, yeah, you you might lose that money if you decide to sell it now. You can get some of it back if you perhaps keep it for a little bit longer. That's a great advice. Actually, I'll stick a hold to it. 
for a while, and let's see how it turns out to be in the future. Brilliant. Well, All the best. <laughs> I hope that works out for you. Thanks for the great advice, Ray. Really. I was uh, confused with that issue. No problems, Abdurrahman. That, that's what we're here for. Now we're going now straight to Muhammad, and uh, Muhammad, you've got a, you've got a nice car here, 2014 BMW 650i. You've got 200,000 kilometres on it. Now you're saying here that your father wants you to sell it uh, and get a good price. Don't all good fathers do? Uh, but <laughs> tell us, tell us more about your car. I'd like to ask. I've given, I've been given the task uh, from my dad to sell his 2014 BMW 650i mm-hmm. Grand Coupe. And on the market, these range from around 70000 to 100000 Uh So I'm not sure what I should list hours for. Okay, so you've got 200,000 kilometres on, on the car. Is that right? Yes, uh, almost 200,000. Okay, almost two. So under, under the magic figure. Naz, what's, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I appreciate you've done a bit of homework, Mohammed, and I definitely feel you're on the right track. Um, yours would be on the lower okay. side of that spectrum, so the ones which are advertised for 100 and slightly more would have substantially less less mileage. Two hundred thousand on a you know, coming on to ten year BMW is quite high. Um yeah. I'd say around seventy, seventy five thousand is what you what you'd want to advertise the car for. All right. Makes sense. Thank you. No problem. All the best to the sale. <laughs> all, all the best, Mohammed. I hope that works for you. Uh, now, I've got a, re- a question to read out for you, or a, a request to read out for you, uh, Naz. It's from Mansour. He's got a 2018 VW Twirag. 110,000 kilometres. It's blue with black trims, a 3.6 litre V6. It's, it's after the facelift. He's the first owner, and it's still under warranty. It uh, doesn't sound too bad. What, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, 100,000 dirhams, uh, great cars, and I, I don't think you'd, you'd wait too long to find the right buyer for that. 100,000 dirhams, there you go, man. So that's uh, a figure straight up, and that's to me, that sounds like pretty good value. Fix it or flip it. For a little bit longer yet, so tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth, and uh, what we need is the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send it to 4001 or via the ARN player, and uh, I'm joined by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who's uh, in the hot seat for us now, giving you all the advice, and uh, we're going to go straight to the lines, and I've got... uh, Anwar on the phone. Good, mo- good morning, Anwar. Hi, hi. Good morning. Uh, great show, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Now, tell us about uh, about your issue. What, what have you got for us, Anwar? Uh, so, I have a uh, Lexus 2015 ES 250. It's the uh, uh, top trim. Uh, about 90,000 kilometers uh, serviced by Lexus uh, since I got it in 2015. Okay. And you're, it's, you're, you're the first owner. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, and it's in that nice colour, Sonic Silver, you've mentioned as well. So uh, yeah, ES250, uh, NAS, there's um, 2015. Uh, there's a few of them around, I think, is there, or, or am I mistaken? Yeah, but <laughs> a lot of them are actually uh, US spec imports. You've probably yeah. noticed online, Anwar, if you've had a look around, a lot of them are US spec imports, and they're selling them for a lot cheaper, but don't let that demoralise you. Is your car GCC spec vehicle? Yeah, so I got it from a Philippine. Yeah, so like, you know, you'll find the, the US ones advertised for 100, 115, 90,000. But I'd, I'd ignore those prices with yours being a GCC spec car and you said the service has been done with Altair. Uh, I'd say closer to 130, 135 is, is today's market value. And they're great cars, by the way. That thing will go on forever. You see the Uber have the, you know, the bigger variant engines and they just drive day and night and oh, they yeah. seem to never go wrong, do they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does that sound, Anwar? 
Thank you. This is uh, much more than I expected. I was expecting somewhere around the 60s or 70s. No. No, I think you've uh, because because it's a, it's the two fifty. You you probably uh, yeah uh, as you say as Naz said, there's not a whole lot that came in through the GCC. So you've got a car there that's got uh, it's got the uh, the validation of being a being a properly imported car. Thank you very much, guys. No problem at all. Now we're going now straight to to Gwyn and uh, Gwyn. You tell you what, Gwyn, you've got a Porsche nine six nine eight six Boxster two thousand and two seventy thousand kilometres. Uh, tell us more about this one. <laughs> hi, hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I bought it off a friend about now six years ago for twenty thousand dirhams. Um, he'd more or less abandoned it. He'd only done forty thousand kilometres at the time. So I've I've run it as a daily driver for the last six years put 70 on it now um so to me it's essentially a free car because i don't think i'll have lost any money on it when i come to sell it so what do you think it's worth now uh i think you're right there naz i think too if, if, if you paid 20k for it six years ago you'd probably get exactly that back in today's market <laughs> honestly and the fact that this is literally the perfect time for people to look for uh, cheap oh. winter convertibles like you could not have chosen a better week even even since last weekend the car, yeah. because exactly. the humidity's disappeared and you've just hit the sweet spot exactly Gwyn. i'm not thinking of selling it it's just in the it's <laughs> in the garage at the moment having a having a short shift um kit fitted oh it's so, a manual is it yes yeah oh honestly don't this yeah as the aston martin we mentioned earlier it's that sweet spot you're not 20 25 years old um, this thing is at the bottom of the curve. It will not depreciate. The, the more time goes by, the more it will essentially appreciate, especially with the low kilometers. Like when you, you sat onto something really nice there and hold on to it. Yeah. If you do want to get rid of it, let me know because I'll buy it. If that doesn't give you the confidence, I, I don't know that, what will. <laughs> and, and, and I'll fight Nez for it, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, had a, uh, it's had a replacement engine, so the engine's only probably done 40,000 kilometers. Amazing. I think it's had a, an, an IMS failure. Stop it, Gwyn. I'm going to buy it from you. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, hang on to it and, and enjoy the, uh, the the good weather. Yeah, thanks, guys. Brilliant. Now we just, we're going now to uh, Benny, um, our final corner for, for this morning. Benny, now, uh, you uh, you live in, uh, in Dubai, but you work in Abu Dhabi, um, so you're looking for a bit of advice. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, doing the commute, as many people are. And I'm obviously putting a lot of miles on my car, lots of money being spent on gas as well. Um, I was looking into getting an electric car, but where I live, they don't have the facilities where I could install like one of those chargers. So I just wanted to get some advice on what car you would recommend. So can I ask, what are you driving at the moment? What, what, sort, of, what, sort, of, what sort of category ticks your box? So, I mean, something that's safe, um, that's mainly what my concern, and then a smooth ride, right? At the moment, I'm dri- driving a Volkswagen. Um, so that's, yeah, like I want it to be comfortable, but ideally my main focus here is gas prices and the daily commute, right? Yeah, uh, and I think when you're talking about the electric vehicles, and, and we had a caller last time on, uh, on Motor Mania about this, and the, and the questions I put to people is that, if you've got charging facilities where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play, the, if you've got uh-huh. those, then then fine. But if you don't have those, yeah. um, then you, you're in a bit of a you're in a bit of a bind, and it might be in the, it might be the situation in twelve months where it, where it fit where it works out. But right now, if that doesn't tick the the, the boxes, 
then yeah, stay with with uh, with the combustion engine for the moment. Now I'm thinking straight off the top of my head. I saw I passed a car last night that I drove about a year ago from Volkswagen that was really good, and a, one of the one of the best cars I drove this year and it was the T Rock. It's a 1.5 liter fuel injected turbocharged car, and uh, it's a, it's a it's a, a I wouldn't call it an off roader. It's a it's a high lift like a golf kind of thing, but it's, it, it sits marginally higher, has that sort of off-roady look. The fuel consumption, you'll get a, nearly a 1,000 kilometres out of that. And uh, the tall gearing with that car, it will it will sit at 140 kilometres an hour. I, I drove it over to, to the East Coast a few times to Fajera. I drove it to Abu Dhabi. And uh, after about a week, I really, really liked that car to the point where it jogged my memory. It's nearly 12 months ago since I drove it. Um, so, you know, these new these new engines are really fuel efficient, whether it be from Volkswagen, uh, Ford, uh, the EcoBoost engines on the on the on the Focus, and those cars as well. Incredibly fuel efficient engines. Um, so, if you've got a Volkswagen, if you like Volkswagen, have a look at the the T Rock or the Golf. If you want uh, the Focus, is another one as a to have a look at where you'll get amazing mileage out of that as well. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend any of the? Um I guess I, I. I mean, I see most of these RTA cars, which are the taxis, and I feel like they probably have better life. Is that correct? I've seen some hybrid ones. So, would you recommend that as well? Uh, hybrid. It, it depends. If you're getting a used hybrid, you. If they come for a battery replacement issue, you're up for a lot of money. And uh, oh. taxis, yeah, they do put a lot of miles up, but they change them frequently as well. So you know you, you've got to keep an eye on that one. Naz, um, what what are your thoughts on a, on that sort of thing? Yes, yeah, so Benny. Um, first of all, I, I really agree with him on the T Rock. It's a great car. But th- listening to what you said, I think you're also on the right track. Really, you know, there's a reason why you know all the taxis are, are Toyotas. You know, so the, the Japanese mm. cars are very reliable. Uh, they can do a lot of kilometers and the maintenance is relatively low. So, you know, between the Nissan and the Toyota range, you have, you know, a huge range of, you know, whether it be 4x4 saloons, little hatchbacks. Um, so there's a lot of good choice there. Regarding hybrid, you know, as as Damien said, once, you know, if and when they go wrong, it's relatively new technology. You know, we say new, but it's yeah. coming on to 10 years old now. But, you know, if you were to buy a hybrid car, um, just stick to something that has a good three-year warranty and service contract and a good shelf life. But having said that, with the hybrid, hybrid saves you money in 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 a rural in a urban in, in in the city when you're driving around. When you're on the motorway or on the highway doing 140, the engine actually does run, um, so it's not as cost effective as you would have thought for long distance and highway journeys. You know, the hybrid saves you money in the intercity driving. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. That was that's interesting um, and good knowledge as well. So you'd recommend I check out the T Rock? Is it mainly? If there's some in stock, that's that's the caveat at the moment. And but fa- but the, the golf, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And failing that, as you quite rightly said, the Japanese car range. So you've got Nissan, Toyota, um, even what gives you good value for money these days with a five-year warranty and service contract is the Korean cars, Hyundai. Yeah. Kia, so walk into their showrooms and they have a you know an array of cars that fit all different sizes and budgets, and uh, I think yeah somewhere in that direction really. There you go, Benny. I hope that's uh, giving giving you some tips. Fantastic! That was very helpful. Thank you, guys. No absolute pleasure. All the best with your search. No problems, Benny. Well, that's it. Uh, we've we've wrapped up the, uh, the the first hour. Fix it or flip it. Thank you so much, Naz. Uh, that's been another packed hour of uh, unbiased car advice because that's what we give here at Motor Mania. 